also, last thing, last but not least, um, the, the, the conference that's coming up this fall, um, um, we'll be announcing the location. We're, we're not probably going to be using this facility because, it's we, because we're expecting a little bit more people. We're praying for between five and 800 people. Um, but it'll be a location hopefully near here. We're almost locked in. I don't want to announce it uh, yet, but it's exciting. And this is, this is a conference not for pastors. This is for everybody. So it's going to be stuff there from women's ministry stuff to leadership stuff and men's ministry stuff and uh, even pastoral stuff. But it's, it's a conglomerate of things dealing with leadership, discipleship, and mission. If you're serious about Christ being formed in you and the others around you, this is something you want to be at. It's going to be our frequency conference. Uh, a few years ago, we did it last time. It sold out here, but we want to do it at a larger location because we had to turn people away last time. And so we're really, really excited about that. And so we want you involved. And so uh, Ladisha is leading up the effort for us. And, uh, and, um, and she's going to uh, be meeting with some folk in the basement. And so please, please keep this opportunity lifted up. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. We are um, going to be off the beaten path today. Um, we're going to do a little standalone. Uh, how many of our students, this is our last Sunday with us for the summer? Slip your hands up. Any of our students last Sunday with us for the summer? Okay. Well, everybody else stand. Okay. God bless y'all. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, I wanted to do this as, a, um, as one of those standalones. I'll talk to you about it in a second. Uh, let's, let's, let's put it up on the screen. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through about the 11th, maybe the 10th, 11th verse. We'll see where the Spirit stops us. Um, I'll start with verse 1. You guys continue. You know how we do. Let's do it. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep going. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, I, 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 wa I want to talk to you uh, about in this service uh, uh, how to have a fruitful life. Um, how to have a fruitful life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for being set up to win by Christ. Uh, we, we've been, we, we, we win. We, we're not trying to win. It's been won. And we get to 
bask in your victory, uh, basically like some fans. Uh, but the difference is, is you get, give us the ability to participate in enjoying that victory by fighting from victory, not for it. And so, God, I pray today that you would, you would give us a checkup, like going to the doctor or the dentist to see where we are on the trajectory of our spiritual journey with you so that we can be ever growing, ever being strengthened and being set up to be fruitful. And so, Lord, in order for your people and I to get this, we, me included, as your people, for us to get this, we need heaven's power, that oil, that ointment from glory that makes preaching easy and that makes hearts receptive and open to it. And so, God, uh, I, I pray, God, that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. Uh, help us not to just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, uh, but help us to be doers. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, I can remember um, being mentored as a, as a young pastor uh, at the time, a younger pastor. Hopefully I'm still young. But, um, you know... Be quiet, Rob. Um, I saw your face. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that I, one of the things that has been helpful for me um, is, is that is, is, is in those beginning years of them walking with me and sort of mentoring me through the process, one of the things they said, there will be messages that, um, that God will birth during the course of a church's trajectory and walk with Jesus Christ that God will have you re-preach once every two to three years. And they will be sort of staple check-up messages, not for the glory of the preacher, but for the building up of God's people. And, 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 and this passage is a passage I've been to, this will be the third time uh, during our time as a church, it'll be eight years in September, um, that, that, that we've sort of gone through this passage as a checkup. This is a checkup not just for you, but for me, not just overall church health, but individual health of being on a vicious trajectory uh, with walking with Jesus. Any believer, any person that knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is called to be serious. Okay, okay. Um, there's sort of this lethargic philosophy that categorizes different levels of commitment in Christianity. But when Christ died on the cross, he didn't die for people to act like civilians. Let, 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 me, let me see if I can make it plain. Go on a battlefield and let one of the soldiers who say that they are soldier during a war not act serious. Um, it'll hurt the team, but they'll probably lose their life. And many of us don't view our time on planet Earth as a war. It, it, it's, it's, it's not just a war with the enemy. It's a war with yourself. I wish I had some help right there. Your, your, your greatest battle ain't with the devil. <laughs> your, your, I'm going to just tell you this right now. Your greatest battle is, because see, if, 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 if we let the gospel deal with us, the devil will be dealt with. Uh, but the problem is, is we got too many people rebuking the devil instead of themselves. 
And, 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 so, and so what happens is you wonder why he's not fleeing because you're only, you're like, you're like two kids in a park with the top roof off in the 50s. Somebody, <laughs> stop it, like you're resisting. When really in all actual, you're saying stop it with your mouth, but really you want to make out with the devil. And, 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 so, and so what we see is, what we see is in this passage is, is, a, is, a, is an old head. It's an old head who's been through a little something. Peter is what we call in Philly an old head, a dude that's got some stripes under his belt. And, and he's learned some things, family. He's, he's walked through some things, and he's made a ton of mistakes. Ton of mistakes. And he's older, and he's starting to learn some things about his walk and about his uh, commitment. And he's coming into the reality that I need to pass on through the Spirit some of the things that have helped me to walk on my divine trajectory as I walk with Jesus Christ. And so he gives them what I call the anatomy of a fruitful life. He, 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 some things that the Spirit has helped him to pick up along the way to sort of help him, to develop him, and to m- mature him and the body, he's lacing the believers with uh, in this passage. He probably has grayer eyes now. His eyes are probably, uh, some people believe he was blind by this time, varicose veins, uh, white, gray, or wool hair. And so he's probably got a stenographer as he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing what God is saying. And, he, and, and as he's thinking about and reflecting on his life, one of the things that you'll see in the apostles' life is any of the apostles that lived during Jesus' uh, were walking with Jesus during this time, when they wrote a letter, you can see the inferences of his teachings laced throughout the passages that he's teaching. Paul had to go retroactive and get some of his information in relation to that to put in his letters, but all of the teachings of the New Testament flow out of Jesus' commandments on earth. Are you striking with me? In connection with the Old Testament. And so we come here to a passage where he's talking to us about the anatomy of fruitfulness, the anatomy of what it looks like to continuously be be on a growth trajectory in every single season of your life. I don't know about you, but I want to grow no matter what. I don't want nothing, nobody, and no place to get in the way of all that not only God has for me, but what God has through me for his glory. And, and, so, and so we come here again to this beautiful passage that to me is one of the most masterfully written sections on spiritual growth of all times. Um, my point, I think I'll have a point this service. Uh, I didn't have one the first service, so we'll have a point. We're just going to walk the text. God has booby-trapped your life for fruitfulness. Um, God has booby-trapped. Somebody say booby-trapped. He's booby-trapped your life for fruitfulness. Let's, let's go through the theological component of this passage, then get into how he applies it. Uh, Peter says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, this is unbelievable right here. Because what he does here is he does something about 40, 50 years ago he probably wouldn't have done. He calls himself a servant before he calls himself an apostle. In other words, you know, if you'd have got Peter to say, what's your name? Yo, I'm the big, I'm big homie of the Christological clique, killing it to the glory of God, bishop over the entire church. You know me, swagalicious on steroids, that's me. That's your boy. You know, he would have been talking about himself in, in big homie language. But because he's gotten older and been through some stuff, 
and God started working some things into him. He'll call himself a doulos before he calls himself a, a, a pistolos. In, 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 in other words, in other words, he learned one of Jesus's lessons. They was they 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 were hanging out together, chilling together, and and Jesus was walking in front of him, and you know Thaddeus and J- both Johns and James and them was was chopping it up about who was going to be a beast in the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? So Thaddeus was like, "Yo, man." When, we, when Christ comes into his kingdom, I'm going to be killing it. I'm going to be right next to him, rocking my linen outfit, and I'm going to be the closest with him, telling all y'all what to do, right? And you know what I'm saying? Sons of Thunder, like, man, we're going to get our moms to talk to Jesus so that we can, you know, mama boy type dudes, you know what I'm saying? Because we want to be great in the kingdom. And so you got all these people going back and forth. Peter said, listen, who answer all the theological questions and kill it? He said, and all of them said together, and who messes up the most? You. And they point at him, right? And, 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 as they're, and as they're going back and forth, Jesus stops. And then one of the, Judas, not Iscariot maybe, one of them said, um, you may want to chill. You know what I'm saying? Jesus comes back and begins talking to them. He says, what are y'all discussing? He said, who's going to be beasting it? When you come in your glory, Jesus, we just want to know who you pick. He said, the greatest among you will become his servant. In other words, Peter learned the lesson. Part of growing and being fruitful is learning lessons. The biggest part of the Christian life is growing in lessons. God has set your Christian life up under the Spirit to be a life filled with lessons. No matter what season of your life you are in, you are in class until he comes back. Until he comes back, your life will be in a session of sitting under the tutelage of a working internship apprentice to Jesus Christ. And you, you're in an apprenticeship as a believer. And so uh, Peter learned. And so he said, to the, he said, this is who I want to talk to. These are the cats I want to chop it up with. He says, to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says two things here. He says, first off, people who base their relationship on what Christ has done for them, not for what they do for Christ. He said, that's who I want to talk to. He said, it's hard to talk with people that think they do for Christ. He said, I want to talk to the people that know by faith who's obtained an equal faith. This is not us obtaining it in the sense of our work, but who had it obtained for them. And if you recognize that the faith was obtained for you, it sets you up to win. But then, then he says, and then he, then he throws a, a, a gargantuan theological concept in the myth. Uh, based on the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, he pronounces the deity of Christ. He pronounces that Christ, Granville Sharp rule for my Greek heads, he, he lays it out and says, it says Christ is God and we have God's righteousness. Yeah. Wow. So I, he said, I've been made right based on what's been done for me. So it's been imputed, it's been injected, it's been delivered, it's been given to me. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to build a relationship with God. It has to be given and it has to be grown. He says, verse 2, he says, may grace and peace. Somebody say grace and peace. I love that. That's, that's the, 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 the Muslims, they say, assalamu alaikum, alaikum assalam. Let them have that. We as believers, we say grace and peace. Grace and peace. Why? Because our relationship with God is based on grace. Our relationship with another, one another is based on grace. Our, our peace is based on peace that comes from Christ. And our peace with one another is also based on Christ's peace. Grace and peace. 
It's an extension of a greeting for those who have had the beef crushed between them and God through Christ's death. There's no more beef. You're free to enjoy grace. You're free to enjoy mercy and peace. Then he says, may it be multiplied to you. I pray that God just flagrantly throw grace all at you. You know what I'm saying? Just throw grace all at you. Like, like, like you had a carnival and, and you're a person sitting on a joint and people throwing balloons, water balloons at you. Just God throwing water, just filling water balloons up with grace and just throwing it at you. Like, here, here you go. Here's some peace. Here's some, it, that, that's, that's what the flagrantness of it being multiplied to us by the living God. And he said, you, the, uh, he said multiplied to you in the knowledge, true knowledge. I'll come back to this. Epigonosco is the word here. Of God, of, of our God, of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then he makes a transition. He says, his divine power, I like the New American Standard says, singing that his divine power. ESV says, his divine power. His divine power, or singing that his divine power has granted to us all things. Somebody say all things. All things pertaining to life and godliness through the epigonosco, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. I love this. He says we have everything we need. Everything. That, that means that you're not getting anything new from heaven. Okay? That, that, that means that you're, you're, you're as anointed as you're already ever going to be. First John 2 says you already have an anointing from God. So, so you're not waiting for some anointing to fall from heaven. You can say, anointing, fall on me. It's, it ain't nothing falling. Ain't nobody tripping, falling from heaven. You have everything you need for life and godliness. I like that because God has set, he, in other words, it's just like getting a computer, but different. Because when you get a computer, I feel a little hoodwink when I get a computer. Pay two G's for a computer. Hallelujah. And then you got to buy the software and programs for another G. In other words, I, I, I want all my stuff on. I paid two G's. I should have everything. No, I should have to buy nothing else. Two G's is a lot of money for your boy. You know what I'm saying? Payment plan ministry, you know? So, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But, but God doesn't treat us like a computer company. When we're born again, all of the software, all of the programs are downloaded onto us. All of them. All of them. So, so that means it has the operating system and everything you and I need to be everything. Only thing that needs to be added to our life to operate in our life is the word. We'll get to that in a second. But it's powerful that you're not, you don't have to look, you don't ask God for joy anymore. You, 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 you already have it. Don't ask God for peace anymore. You already have it. Don't ask God for comfort anymore. You already have it. The issue is not do you have it, the question is do you use it? Are you hearing what I'm saying? In, 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 other, in other words, the thing that has to happen in our life is we have to grow in our ability to get the barriers out of the way that, in, 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 that, 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 that challenge us from experiencing the fullness of what God has already given to us. Now, now, now I, I, I was listening to a song, um, Dorinda Carr Cole, she ice cold vocalist. Ice to the cold. Now, she, now, 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 now the song was talking about, I'm, I'm going back to the devil's camp, you know, the John, remember that? And take back what he stole from me, all right? Now, theologically, eh, he didn't steal it. But practically, she has a point. Because the devil's job 
is to make you think you don't have what God has given to you. His job is to blind you and make you think you have to work towards getting from God what God has already through Christ's work given to you. Do you hear me? It's, 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 it's so, and so the, the Christian life is pulling the blinders off, helping us to recognize, hold on, I got this. Like, it, it, it trips me out to, to realize all the things. Sometimes me and my wife will be, we'll be rummaging through some things, and we've, we went out and bought some stuff not knowing we already had it in our possession. Many of us don't recognize that there's some things that God has already put in your possession to use for his glory, use for his honor, use for his praise. I got to move on. He said, he called us by his own glory and excellence. I like that. I like that. I like, I like him calling us. That, that, in other words, God didn't look at you in eternity past and say, I want to save Chris. I want to save Chloe. I want to save whoever, right? He didn't say that. God wasn't looking at you saying, man, I think they, they, if I just saved them, man, they'd be, they'd be bombed for what I need to get done. Don't work like that. God, in his self-sufficiency, is in an, in an eternal selfie. <laughs> okay? God is always looking at himself. He's just like this. Man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Man, look at your six-pack. Uh, actually, it's a 20-pack. Uh, oh, man, grace, mercy. I mean, he just goes down. He just, God looks at himself. He's just like this. Chiquit, chiquit. And, 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 the, and the Holy Spirit like this, going like this on him. Go ahead, go ahead, look at yourself. And he look like this. God be like, I mean, because God loves himself. God loves himself. God, God loves him. He's the only one that has a right to, 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 to just look at himself and just be like, dang, I'm a worker. Oh, ain't I? He didn't look at us. He's like, look at me. Wow. And, and so he's been doing that for eternity. God's so fine that he said to himself, I'm, I'm just so unbelievable. I mean, I'm just, I mean, one of us say that we, we off the chain, but he says it and it's true. And, 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 and when he looks at us, he said, I, he said, it's too much of all this glory and mercy. You know what I'm saying? Holiness. Man, I, we, we got to get some people to enjoy what we've been enjoying for eternity. Now, now they can't be us, right? God the Father saw, he said, they can't be us. Because, you know, Isaiah going to write, we're going to have him write in Isaiah 45, 8, that we won't share our glory with another. They high five. Yep, yep, we're going to do that, right? <laughs> yep, you know what I'm saying? So, so we're not going to, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to be, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to roll like that. He said, but we're going to make their lives like mirrors. And what we'll do is we'll shine our glory on their life so that when, they, when, when people experience them, they experience us. In other words, God gives you an endorsement deal. Y'all heard it before, endorsement deal. You know what I'm saying? I, I was blown away when Tiger got 80 million from, from, from American Express. That's an endorsement deal. I be dog. That's a lot. I got to come back. All right. <laughs> Nike, Nike, back in the 80s, back in the 80s, some of y'all, you know, um, when Jordans first came out, the first Jordans, the black and red joints, then the black, red, and white joints came out, the regular classic ones. Everybody kind of thought they was ugly at first until they got on Jordan's feet. And Jordan started going on, you know, doing all this situation, you know what I'm saying? And people wanted the shoes because of how Jordan represented it 
on the court because Nike gave him an endorsement deal to endorse their sneaker so that people who saw him in action connected him with them. Wish I had some time. In, 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 in other words, what God gives us is an endorsement deal. And so what we do is we put on our glory gear and we, you know, we, 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 we go on out there and we get on the fashion show of life. And we show off the glory of who God is so that there's an attractional nature in which God unveils the, the, his glory to people who he reveals himself to. He called us in response, not to us, but to himself. That's what he did. That's what he did. That's what he did. And so he says, by which, verse 4, he says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very magnificent promises talking about new covenant stuff, so that through them, that is his promises, you and I, guess what, may become partakers. Somebody say partakers. Partakers Partakers of the divine nature. This is koinonoi. The the word means to enjoy, share, right? Uh, uh, To partner with his divine nature. We can't have his divine nature, but we can enjoy. That's what Jesus' high priestly prayer was in John 17 is that we would enjoy what the Godhead was enjoying for eternity. So Paul, Peter is laying out the high priestly prayer by saying Christ's death applied it. So now we become partakers of the divine nature where we get to kick it with God. Something that, has, that, 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 that can only be given can't be taken. So you have a relationship with him. Yeah, you, you're able to enjoy him. Let me go back. He said through the true knowledge. Uh, look, look at verse, verse 3. He says, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. As that word true knowledge points to the idea of knowledge that comes with a relationship. There's a difference between unrelational knowledge and relational knowledge. I'm going to come back to that. Now let's go down. He says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So even though we're still in a sinful world, functionally we've escaped it already. Do, Do you understand? In other words, the escape route has already been laid out, but we still have to look like we're not escaping because we are still in the midst of the brokenness of the world. However, we already have victory to be able to escape because God has already given us the escape route through Christ. Now, then he says here, he transitions. This is great. Because what he's he's done now is he's built us a theological foundation to sort of give, when he gives practical things, it's flowing from all of these different things that he sent to us. So now, as, as we go through the rest of the passage, it's just going to get real practical. But the issue is, it's, you, you don't want practical to start. You always need a biblical and theological foundation to emphasize your practice. Or, or else you might as well just go listen to, uh, 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 you might as well listen to uh, what you call motivational speakers. Motivational speakers don't have to have a theological idea. Motivational speakers are meant to motivate your body to do what it does, to do something. But in the spirit, because we're spiritual people, he wants to motivate us from the inside out, not the outside in. So check it. He says, for this very reason, for everything I've just said, for this very reason, this very reason, he says, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Check this out. This word supplement means furnish. It literally means to furnish something with something. Um, let me see if I can make it plain. <clears throat> it, it's, 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 like, <laughs> it, it's like, you know, saying I'm married but functionally acting divorced. 
So, so, so in, other, in other words, when he says supply, in your faith supply, or saying you're a Christian but not having fruit, he's about to talk about that in a second. Or saying, uh, or, 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 or saying you have a relationship or friendship with anyone, but you don't prove yourself friendly. Therefore, you're using the title, but the functionality of what functions in friendship is absent. So, so what he's saying is, he's saying these things don't make you have faith. God gives faith, Romans 12, 3, to each believer. He's given each a measure of faith. So these things are things that help you to recognize that you have authentic faith. All right? All right? And, and, so, and so what he begins to say is, you need some faith furniture. He says, first thing, you, I want you to add or supply. He said, I want you to put this in your faith. Put this under the umbrella of faith because you already have it. You're not working to get all these things. You're not going somewhere and getting them. What did he say in verse 3? You have everything you need. Now he's telling you to go into your software program of your soul and get these things. Are you hearing me? So he, so he, so he says, in, 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 in supplement in your faith, virtue. This, I, I could spend an hour on this word, literally. It, in, in, in its infant form, in its basic form, it means to have a commitment to a standard. It means to have commitment to a standard. It, it, in the Old Testament, it meant to be courageous. It's, it's used several places. It's used of God coming to Gideon and tell him, calling him a mighty man of valor. Um, it's used of Boaz seeing how Ruth was a woman of character and called her an ancient chayo, a, a woman of great value. It's used of David's mighty men of valor. It's used of the Proverbs 31 woman who personifies the wisdom of Proverbs as the woman uh, who is praiseworthy, if you will. In other words, it means you got some standards. It means, it means that you, 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 got, you got the ability to, to do what God wants you to do. That's what it means. And to go to the end of that because of what Christ has done for you. But what's beautiful about this is he, 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 he tells you you have the ability to commit to the standard. But he says, I have to cascade some things into this so that you're walking in the right standard. Okay. So he says, add to your virtue or moral excellence knowledge. Why? Because if he left your virtue or moral excellence by itself with your ability to commit to a standard, you'll commit to the wrong things. You'll commit to the wrong relationships. You'll commit to the wrong church. <laughs> you'll commit to the wrong people. You'll commit to the wrong places. Therefore, there has to be information that informs the standard, and that's the Bible. So that means you got to get in the book, family. I'm by myself. Y'all ain't going to help me preach, but it's okay. You, you need to get in. Some of, some of us, are, we read the paper, we read the news, we read source, we read this, we read all that. But you need the Bible. You, you need to get in. We're in a situation where you can pull up the Bible on your phone. You know what I'm saying? You can pull up your, you know, everywhere. We got, we got all kinds of Bibles. We got an NASB, NIV, ESV. Uh, baked Bible, fried Bible. We got all different types of Bible. But he says, in your moral excellence, he said, I want you to use my standard that I've given you, the ability to commit to a standard for what I say. Okay? So, so, so that's very, very important to us. So he's saying, I, I, I want you to be informed by Scripture. In other words, I want you to have a Christian worldview, not a man, a human worldview. So, 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 so he said, these things you got to vigorously put your, put your hand to, though, based on what Christ has already done for you. 
So so that means your walk with Christ demands action because he's empowered you for it. Not that it makes you righteous, but it's because you're righteous. So now he says, so check this out. He says, he says, he says, moral excellence or virtue. He says, he says, I want you to get knowledge. But he knows that if you get knowledge and just commit to a standard, that you'll need some self-control because you'll get prideful. (laughs) So he says, next I want you to add to it, this is the ingredients, self-control. Self-control is getting your emotions in check. In other other words, it's unleashing your passions to where God has ordained and restricting them from the places he hasn't. That's what Christ empowers you to do. So because, because you know when you get some Bible and you think you know a little something, you start, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And then, and then, and then uh, uh, because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, that knowledge puffs up, but what? Love edifies. And so, therefore, uh, you, you, you just accumulating knowledge uh, without uh, recognizing that you're going to go through some stuff and that you're going to have to deal with you. Because it's easy, listen, it's easy to take in the Bible information and not deal with your issues. See, self-control, it almost inferentially means I got issues. Do you hear that? It means I got issues, and because I got issues, I'm going to have to deal with them. I can't just implant a Bible verse, memorize it, and not use it. That's what he's trying to help us to recognize. So self-control, recognizing that God has standards and the Bible is his standard, and that I'm a mess in process. And being a mess in process, I got to recognize that I got issues and I'm going to need reformative help by the gospel and through Jesus Christ to transform and develop me. And then there are going to be some things that come my way that I'm going to want to do that I'm not going to be able to do because I have to get my leash out. Are you tracking with me? So you got to put your doggy on a leash, family, and snatch that joker. You need some, you need some, you need some warehouse chains. You need some titanium cables on your self-control in Jesus' mighty name to direct that dog called passion right back to where Jesus wants it to be. But, but, not, but, not, but not only that, not only that, self-control. He's, but, see, but see, he knows that, you, 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 you know, you'll be, you could, okay, you got self-control, you can deal with it. But then he said the next thing to go, what happens is, 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 is trials come. Because trials come, you're going to need some help. So he says, in your self-control, add to self-control steadfastness. What is steadfastness? Consistency in the midst of adversity. Why does he put that there? Because the first thing to go is a commitment to us. When hell breaks loose in your life, the first thing to go is a commitment to a standard. The second thing to go is your knowledge of the Bible. The third thing to go is self-control. You see that? Because most of it, when you go through a trial, when you don't depend on the Lord through it, you will medicate yourself with stuff. You, you'll medicate yourself with drugs. You'll medicate yourself with alcohol to take the edge off of your trial. You hear me? You, ain't nobody hearing me today. You, you'll eat yourself into a coma saying, I, I, I need some ice cream, too. It's been a hard day. I, I need some hocking to the dots. I need, you know what I'm saying? I need some help. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, you know so, some folks say, I, I, just need, I just need a fifth. Of vodka. I was like, dang, a fifth dog? Dang. 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 L- listen, listen, listen. Because when you don't depend on God in your difficulty, you'll make other things your need. Not recognizing that verse 3 already told you that you already got all you need. 
But, 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 but when, you, when you let the enemy get in your ear during difficulty, he'll whisper to you all types of functional saviors to get in the way of the fact that Christ has already saved you. It's already has. And so consistency in the midst of adversity, that means I still walk in my standards in my difficulty. That means I'm still in my Bible through my difficulty. That means I don't care how cute you are, how fine you are, I'm still going to have some self-control in my difficulty because it's called consistency in the midst of adversity. Yeah. We've got to be consistent. We've got to be consistent. Then he goes from there talking about steadfastness to godliness. Godliness, godliness is the ability to know the Bible and apply it. That's, that's all it means. It, it just means I don't just know about God, I love him enough to do what he says. That's godliness. When you call somebody godly, that's what happens, right? So, but then he knows that if we just focus on personal spiritual, more, uh, 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 spiritual formation, then we'll become an ingrown toenail. Because our normal thing that when you get spiritual and virtuous and pious, you, you begin to think you know everything and that you're the standard of what it means to walk with Jesus. So because of that, he moves from internal stuff. He went from upward to inward. Now he's going to go outward. Then he's going to say, add to that brotherly kindness. That's Philadelphine, brotherly kindness. In other words, you need to go to a life group. You need to get in some relationships with some people. Because, because what, what you'll find out is all of us are in the struggle together. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to find some people that's more godly than you that you need to walk with and you need to grow in. But then he knows, Peter knows, that if we just focus upward, theological upward, and then focus inward on our need, and then the believers get together, we'll become an ingrown toenail. So what he said is, I want you to go from brotherly kindness to agape, love, meaning loving people outside of your comfort zone. That, that, that means people that don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. So he goes from exaltation of Christ uh, 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 to, to, to imputation within our soul and, and, and to equity in community and now to evangelism out in the world. Do you hear me today? And so, and so, and so but then, then he gives a sharp warning for us as we do our checkup. As he does this, as we close this, he says, For if, verse 8, for if these qualities, those are the ones we said from verses 4 to here, 5 to here rather, are yours, are yours. In other words, did you own them? Have you owned these? Not are they in you. He's already told you when you get saved, they're in you. The issue is now, do you own them? Right? And are increasing, that's key. It's not enough for them to just be in us. God has made all of these things as a, ger- ger- as a seed within us that we have to nurture and participate so that the Holy Spirit can grow it, okay? And so that means your Christian, there's no such thing as a Christian that sits around and not grow. You are vigorously, even though you work, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not for it. You are graciously you are graciously and vigorously active in challenging your crazy self. Active. Active. There's no such thing as Holy Spirit just do everything. And then he come in and use a robot. Oh, there's something I don't want to get into. Let me go this way. No, he, he, works, with, he works with you. 
He works with you. When you become a Christian, you now have your will taken out of bondage for obedience. He said, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, you will not be unfruitful. If these qualities are yours, you will never fail. Wow. He said, if you own these qualities, you'll be on a booming trajectory. Will you, will you be growing in the midst of growth? There's issues. But that's why we have a weed whacker in the spirit. To deal with the weeds that grow up in our soul, right? And that's why. I love this. This is so helpful. You will never be ineffective in the epigenosco, in the relational knowledge that only comes through Christ. Constant trajectory. That means if you're up, you're growing. If you're down, you're growing. If you feel blah, you're growing. If you're excited, you're growing. Because you're saying, my life is not based on seasons. It's based on a Savior. I get concerned when people tell me they're bored. I say, wow. I don't remember the last time I was bored. Bored? Bored. This, when I read this passage, I don't see the word bored in the Greek or the anything else. But then he goes further. He says, whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted. Nearsighted means you can only see near, not far. It means to lack faith. It means you, you can only see what you can see. Or you can only believe based on what you see. That's why a person that needs evidence of everything in the Christian faith to become a Christian will never become a Christian. That's why the Christian says, I believe the gospel, but God has to just show up. God has to do this. It's funny. I'm going to just get this for free as I close. Some of us say, God, show me that I'm supposed to do this. Then he shows you. But God, show me again that I'm supposed to not do this. God, can you give me a sign? God said, I already gave that to you. God, I, but then I need another one, God, because that one wasn't the one I liked. So I need you to give me another sign that I'm not supposed to do what I'm supposed to do. But, 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 but that means you're, you're, you're nearsighted. You're nearsighted. We're calling to see far. God is calling you to a courageous walk with him. A courageous men and women, single and married. You are, you, you are on a saga. You are on a trip to God as his apprentice, and you are called to beast out for his glory because of what he's done. So get off your boredom and get up off your caboose and get into the grace battle of working and walking with Christ. He says, he said, this person is nearsighted, is blind, having forgotten that they, that he or she had been cleansed from their former sins. In other words, you'll forget that you're saved. I don't even know how any other way to cut it. You'll have salvific and soteriological amnesia. You'll live like a person that, you'll have a life that's far from the shore. Far from the shore. He says, therefore, because of this, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make your calling an election sure. The more you grow in Christ, it doesn't add to your value. You're already as valued as you're going to be, but you grow and your bandwidth for enjoying salvation does as well. That's why when David fell, the first thing he asked for is restore to me the joy of my salvation. 
He said, because I've fallen so far away from you, God, I don't even know if we got a relationship. He says, I need to, I need you to kind of, I I know we're in a relationship, but I just don't seem to feel like I'm in that place. He goes further and he says, for if you're, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't know if I fully know what that means, to be honest. I, 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 I think that when a preacher gets to a point where he can explain everything in the Bible, I don't know what it means. I thought, I, you know, I'm going to be, thank you, Lordy, getting to heaven. You know what I'm saying? Not, I ain't graduating with honors, I don't think. I almost think that's like an honors graduation, you know? I don't know. But in some way, shape, or form, we experience the richness, some type of richness of coming into the kingdom, knowing we fought the good fight of faith. And so I pray today for our lives, young and old, single and married, different seasons of life. (laughs) My prayer is that we will be on a ferocious trajectory of seeking after God because he's already sought us and bought us. Father God, we thank you. We honor you for the mercy that comes through Christ. God, we find ourselves in a great myriad of things and finding ourselves in need of consistent growth. And I can tell you, in my life, I lack vigor at times. I lack fervor at times. And I'm glad that you, this whole Christian life begins with you, is of you, and ends of you. Yet in some weird way, you've called us to be participants in your work in us as we grow in our relationship with you. Thank you for your divine empowerment by Christ through his death, through his resurrection, to be able to live for you. And God, I thank you that now we have the ability to choose to walk with you if we know you. But if someone doesn't know you today and they don't know you as Savior, I'm Employ you, put your faith in Christ. Christ came to die on the cross to take on the wrath, deserve it to us who were separated from Christ. All of us were born separated from him because of Adam's disobedience. And But Christ came as heaven's soldier to die on the cross to take on the wrath and anger of God that was due us to be in hell forever. Then he got up from the grave on the third day with all power in his hands. And he is calling for belief today. Trust, faith. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, we implore you, be born again. Anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, slip your hand in the air. We would love to talk to you about what it means to be born again. Anyone, balcony or floor, say, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ, what he did for me on the cross to crush the beef between me and God, whether you know it or not, you do have a beef with God, even though you say, yeah, I believe in God. Jesus said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. And if you don't know Christ as the sacrifice for your sin, you have no relationship with God. You are a creation of God, but you're not a child of God. And in order to become a child of God, you have to trust him. Somebody may say, well, that's judgmental. Why are you judging me? Actually, we're trying to help you not to get judged. 
Because God, you don't want Christ to, you don't want Christ to come back and judge you. You want God's judgment of Christ on the cross. He judged Christ so that you and I wouldn't have to be judged. He judged Christ as worthy of death because of our sins being on him, not in and of himself being worthy, which made him a clean sacrifice for us. And therefore, God was justly satisfied. Anybody here that wants to put their faith in Christ, slip your hand up.